Jam Session is a podcast where two guys who grew up in Dallas-Fort Worth discuss sports, craft beer, life, and their experiences living in one of America's most vibrant cities. If you love sports, you're going to love this show. If you love craft beer or you're curious about it, you'll love this show. Great conversations with good friends is what Jam Session is all about. Welcome. It's nice to have you here. I hope you enjoy it. I think you will. You're listening to the Jam Session Podcast. I was told that I could listen to the radio at a reasonable volume. With Cowboys insider... What's your name? Jean-Jacques Taylor. That's my name. Radio personality and craft beer expert, Matt McLaren. He's a very strange young man. He's an idiot. Comes from upbringing. And now, the Jam Session Podcast. It is indeed Jam Session. Subscribe, rate, and review. Hang out with us for a while. Right here on the Jam Session Podcast, sponsored as always by Hector Flores with Modern Woodman of America, a fraternal financial organization that can help you plan for your family's future. Give Hector a call. You'll enjoy the conversation at 940-453-3490. Also by Greening Law, a personal injury law firm in Dallas, Texas. Greening Law fights the legal battle so you have time for healing and renewal. But right now, that moment we've all been waiting for has arrived. Ladies and gentlemen, the radio, TV, and now podcast star, the sexy Jean-Jacques Taylor. What up, Doc? I would be the non-sexy one. It's Matt McLaren, and this is Jam Session, the podcast version 196, asking simply that you prepare to be dazzled. If not entertained. And man, we were dazzled and entertained as we record this on a Sunday night. The NFL divisional round is over. We have the NFL's conference title games on the way. Only four teams that can possibly win the Super Bowl. We've got to take a trip around the block. And Jerry Jones... The frustration of Jerry and the frustration at Jerry. So a lot to discuss here as we venture through this episode. We're going to have a lot of fun, but we do need to tell you about Hector Flores of Modern Woodmen of America. They are a fraternal financial organization. They are non-fee-based. It costs absolutely nothing to meet with Hector to allow him to help you grow your savings, your family's future. As a matter of fact, here's some of the ways that he can do that. There are regular savings accounts, which currently pay you about 0.1%, but you should have, you know, at least a thousand dollars liquid where you can get to it, you know, in case you blow out a couple of tires, you know, there's an unexpected medical bill. Otherwise you need to start building towards three to six months of income replacement in case something happens like a pandemic and you lose the job. Now the savings account is not the only place where you can put money. You can put it into accounts that you can access that are actually making you money. There's different types of things. You can put it into what's called a non-qualified account. It's money you've already paid taxes on. You can put it into the market. You can put it, if you're eligible, into a Roth IRA because any money you put into a Roth IRA, you can pull back out without penalty, okay, because that's money you've already paid taxes on. Now, ideally, you want to leave it in there so it'll grow, it'll grow, it'll grow, and so Sometimes it's helpful to people that they're, they're good at saving, but they're poor at keeping it in there. So if it's not tied to their checking account, savings account, it's in a different account, and then they can see that it's actually growing, it usually incentivizes them to keep it in there. That's part of the conversation that Hector can have with you. He can basically just kind of lay out the roadmap 
for how you get all this started. So give him a call. He's a big listener of Jam Session, loves what we do, and we appreciate him. 940-453-3490. 940-453-3490. Also, of course, the lawyers, the green team, at Greening Law. Robert Greening, if you've been hurt in a car accident or experienced malpractice from a physician or a hospital, or you were injured on the premises of a business, who knows? If you think you may have a case, let them be your fierce legal competitor against the insurance companies. Well, the thing about the Green Team, man, is they work for you, all right? Doesn't matter how many other clients they have, they're working hard for you because, number one, they don't get paid unless you get paid. And so I always tell people, it doesn't cost anything to pick up the phone and say, yo, here's my situation can you help me cost you nothing and it could be the difference between everything it's a very easy call to make i know because i did it i've been working with robert greening and greening law for the last several months as they have been helping me and they have been they've been my competitor against the insurance company and again as jacques just told you they only get paid if you get compensated and the call is free Call them today, 972-934-8900. Again, it's 972-934-8900. Robert Greening, call now. Offices, Dallas, Texas. Dallas, Texas, where we will not see any more football games for a long time, of course, as the Cowboys were eliminated last week. But man, I got to tell you, Saturday and Sunday of the divisional round of this year's playoffs, honestly, might be the... this. I don't know that I've ever seen a better weekend of football than what we just experienced in these four games. It's been sensational, man. It's been taut. It's been dramatic. It's why the NFL trumps every other thing. What did we see that thing a couple weeks ago that said like 91 of the top 100 shows were NFL games last year or this year? Uh, NFL is high drama, baby, and it just it almost always delivers. It is, man. It is something this weekend. I mean, again, four games. And we'll get into them a little bit more in detail, but man, just the bird's eye view of this, Cincinnati and Tennessee, Cincinnati, the road team against the number one seed in Tennessee, last second 52-yard field goal to send Cincinnati to their first AFC title game since 1990. Then last night in the snow, as it started snowing like crazy in Green Bay at Lambeau, Aaron Rodgers gets knocked off by the team that he said would forever be disappointed that they didn't draft him back when they passed on him in, in 2005. Last second field goal by Robbie Gold. Then we move on to today. Tom Brady, we think, oh, well, I guess it's not his year. Down 27 to 3. Nope. Tom Brady's like, I've been down 28 to 3 in a Super Bowl. This is nothing. They somehow find a way to tie it. And then Stafford says, no. Last second field goal, the Rams advance. And then whatever that was, we saw. I don't even know how to explain what we saw tonight. it's Kansas City. Nope, it's Buffalo. Nope, it's Kansas City. Nope, Josh Allen. He just took him down the field. Only 13 seconds left. Buffalo's going. And Pat Mahomes says, <laughs> okay, let's see if that's true. Then they hit a field goal to tie in an overtime game. All in one weekend. It's just utterly fantastic, man. I mean, I was sitting here riveted. Uh, it's just fantastic football, man. It was, um, it was, it was, you know, I'm a big fan of greatness. And watching Mahomes and Josh Allen go back and forth, man, each one of them making play after play after play after play after play, you're just like, this is good, and we probably got a legitimate five to seven years of this mm-hmm. because the both teams are, should be good. Um, you know, Buffalo's ascending. Um, Kansas City, because they got Mahomes, because uh, they got Tyreek Hill, who's still young, because it's Andy Reid, who's a fantastic coach. You'd expect them to be, you know, a contender. Yeah. 
So these these teams are gonna meet up in the playoffs in the regular season a lot, man. Uh, over the next few years, and it's gonna be it's probably I don't think this is a hyperbole. It's probably the the new Brady uh, Manning. Yeah, I, I think it probably is. You're right because as you just pointed out, we saw him last year in the AFC title game. I think there was a lot of thought that the that this was the winner of this game is going to go to the to the Super Bowl. And right. I, I don't think that that's changed. Cincinnati has a great story, and I'll never count out Joe Burrow. But it, it, I felt the winner of this game is representing the AFC in the Super Bowl. And after what we saw transpire this weekend, you know, I kind of feel like the winner of this game wins the Super Bowl. Now, we'll see how that turns out. But, you know, three of the four road teams won. Every single one of these games involved a last-second field goal, and one of them went to overtime. It's just an incredible display that really backs up what everybody always talks about, how the divisional round of the playoffs is usually the best weekend of football you get. And it just felt like this year was on a level we have not seen. I think it's the drama, man. Like, if, if you go back to the Bengals game, you know, that's about an interception. That, that, you know, that thing looks like it's headed to overtime. And then they get a tip pass. It's an interception uh, that sets up the field goal. Uh, you look at Green Bay. Um, I kind of dozed off in that. When I woke up, I go, Oh, they haven't separated at all. They got problems. And then you look at yeah. the special teams thing and, and how atrocious they were on special teams. And you're like, hey, they need to go get John Fossil and pay him whatever, he's, whatever he wants to fix their special teams. That's a little bit of a joke there. Yeah. Uh, but but you get it, man. But the, uh, the games are just so drama-filled, man. You know, the Tampa Bay game, dude, I thought it was over. And then for some reason when it was 27-13, I'm like, all of a sudden, this doesn't feel like it's over anymore. Uh, Ty Bowles is my guy. Although you got a question, man, if you want to come off a slot blitz with, you know, 20 seconds left, uh, you know, why, you know, the thought process behind that, because that's puts them, that gives them an opportunity to make a big play. You know, if you play coverage behind it, it's hard to see them driving the length of the field to get what they need, mm -hmm. uh, you know, to win it in regulation. So, it's a lot of drama, man. It was, it was what a weekend of football, bro. It really was. And, you know, I was pulling – I had no problem with the way that this has turned out. I obviously, I thought Green Bay was going to win. I, I didn't see San Francisco continuing what they did. But that defense really held Green Bay's offense in check. I mean, obviously, they only scored 10 points. And, and it comes down to a last-second field goal. And they got the job done on the road. And now we get to see – San Francisco and the Rams go at each other. Matt Stafford, and it's funny, I, I was watching that game, and this was before Brady launched the comeback, but I was watching that game, I go, well, you know, maybe this is, because we. It, it feels like we'd all always said our, for forever that when Matt Stafford was in Detroit, we watched that and be like, man, it's too bad Stafford has to play in Detroit. Like, you, you always wondered, if he ever got a chance to be on another team, how good a quarterback could he be if he could just get out of Detroit? Or if he had been drafted by another franchise that wasn't Detroit? And it feels like we're right. actually getting an opportunity to see that, and I think that's pretty cool. No, I think the thing about it is, man, and, you know, I saw a lot of people trying to, uh, what's the word I'm looking for today? I can't remember. I got old man brain. But a lot of people after the game, oh, he told you Matt Stafford is this, Matt Stafford is that. Yeah. Well, let's hold tight. I mean, yeah, it's great that he's getting to the championship game, you know, but what have the Rams told us, brother? Super Bowl of bust for the Rams. Yeah, it is. I mean, they've been, they've invested in this season. You know, they've traded away all the draft picks between now and the turn of the century. Uh, so this is their team. 
and that's cool because there's a very talented team. But you know, let's not let's let Matt Stafford complete the the deal, which is mm. win the championship game and compete for a Super Bowl. And I think, uh, yeah, you'd love for him to win it, but he w- his job is to get you to the Super Bowl, and then you know, once you get there, we'll see what happens. But yeah, they they traded for him to get to the Super Bowl uh, and win it, but they traded him to get there, and so yeah, he's got one more game to play, and they have a hard time with San Francisco, man, because San Francisco is a division game and San Francisco lines up and knocks your block off and the Rams are a finesse team. So that's why they got problems with San Francisco. Yeah, and keep in mind that the Rams, as you said, you talk about having problems with San Francisco. The Rams have lost their last six in a row to San Francisco. They lost both games this year. The first one was that Monday nighter, the 31-10 to blowout where they got thumped. And then, of course, they ended the regular season against San Francisco. They were at home and ended up losing in overtime 27-24. So now they get a third shot at San Francisco this season. It'll be interesting to see because, you know, San Francisco, they draft Trey Lance with the third overall pick in the draft. And then Jimmy G, and, and look, I get it. He did not have a good game. It's not like they're good because of Jimmy G. But Jimmy Garoppolo, man, he is playing in his second, a- his second NFC championship game as the starting quarterback of the San Francisco 49ers. And it's wild because if they end up getting to the Super Bowl, and what if they win it this time? They'll be walking away most likely from a quarterback that they've been able to have success with for the third overall pick in the draft this past year. I don't think it matters at all because I don't think he's a good quarterback. I don't think he is either, but it's it's like Mark Sanchez to me. I mean, Mark Sanchez went to -to back-to-back AFC title games. You can't can't get caught up in... Because if he's not the reason why they're winning, he's playing a role in it, uh, and he and he's helping them by not losing the games. But you don't look at these games and go, "Oh yeah, Jimmy G is the reason why they're winning." You look at that defense. You look at Debo Samuel. You look at a few other places before you get to Jimmy G. And so I don't I don't think it matters what he does this year, because you can always look at him and go, "For the money we're spending, and the investment we've made in Trey yeah. Lance, we can get we can get better." Without Jimmy G being here, uh, I mean that's the reason why they were six and five at one point. Yeah, you know what I'm saying. So, no, nah, I mean I think he's it's great whatever he's doing, but he's not the reason why they're winning. So I don't think he comes back, and I don't care if they win the Super Bowl. Yeah, and he is again. The thing of it is with Jimmy Garoppolo is that they can walk away from his contract. He has one year left on it, and but they can get out of it for one point six million or one point four million dollar dead cap hit. So that's, that's nothing. It, they can easily walk away from Jimmy G, which is why everybody is saying that whenever it ends, and again, I thought they'd lose to Green Bay. I do think they're going to lose to the Rams. I actually think the Rams get them this time and that Matt Stafford gets that franchise back to the Super Bowl and, and has that experience for himself. The game's on the other side, man. The, Tennessee, it was obvious to me that, and I wondered about this with Derrick Henry. It, it's easy to say you're 100% healthy, versus I haven't played in a football game in eight, nine weeks or whatever it's been and getting yourself used to, to what that is about at this level in the playoffs. Yeah. Uh, did he look rusty to you? A little bit. I mean, I, he didn't have – something was missing. And I don't know, maybe I, I'm just being over-analytical on that and, and they just did a great job of shutting him down, but it felt to me like something was missing – against Cincinnati and they kept trying and trying and trying and trying with them and they just could not get a breakthrough 
on the ground against Cincinnati. And, and you look at what Derrick Henry did, and he ended up having 20 carries for just 62 yards. Yeah, but I, I, looked at, I looked at most of that game. I didn't necessarily see it as Derrick Henry was off. I thought it was actually pretty good. Pretty good defense on both teams because there's a lot of uh, they, t- you know, they took a good approach at him, which is hit him low, uh, take his legs. There's a lot, you know. I thought the defense was played good in that game. Yeah, and then I think the other thing is the turnovers and the way Cincinnati was playing. You know, at one point it was just hard for Tennessee to to get into the type of game that they like to play, uh, just because one they never really had the lead, um, and two they they never got. I mean, it was just ne- they never got control of the game where they could just pound and pound and pound. They were always kind of playing from behind, trying to get back in it and get to where they could pound and pound and pound. Yeah, and, and, and Joe Burrow, man, I mean, you talk about a dude that just has ice in his veins and they've got pieces around him. Now, to be fair, yes, Ryan Tannehill, the interception that he threw that was picked off by Logan Wilson, that they were trying to, to – drive down the field and and basically win the game and Ryan Tannehill throws out just unfortunate interception and next thing you know Joe Burrow three plays later they they hit a what was it Jamar Chase for like a 20-yard gain that set him up for an opportunity to kick that 52-yard field goal well see that was an interesting play to me man because um Eli Apple former first round bust with the Giants I think um you know he actually made a really good play on that ball got in there just as it arrived tipped it and it popped up in the air and that's how they picked it off um you know so i think the thing about it is we always knew tanny hill was not the guy you know who's gonna carry your yeah, offense yeah. um and he had he had a tough day he threw an interception on the very first play he had a red zone interception where a defensive back coming on the blitz tipped the ball up and intercepted made a really nice play he also had some bad luck yesterday but i think the story is dude Joe Burrow is that dude. He is. Jamar Chase is that dude. And the Bengals are going to be a problem for the next few years um, because they've got three good receivers and uh, they're just going to be a problem. Joe Burrow's 25 years old. Jamar Chase is 21 years old. And T. Higgins is 22 years old. I mean, those guys are just starting their careers. It's incredible. It is absolutely incredible. And look, we all know what Pat Mahomes is capable of. We saw it. We saw what Pat Mahomes is capable of tonight. We saw the Chiefs getting to their fourth consecutive AFC championship game. They're hosting it for the fourth straight time. They are favored by seven in this game already. And I think most people are anticipating they are going to go to their third straight Super Bowl. But Joe Burrow, man, it's it's one of those teams where it just feels like so much is going their way. And then... He, he, when they drafted him, you wondered, okay, is this the dude who can change the trajectory? People forget that Cincinnati was trash for 30 years. And yeah, Andy Dalton and Marvin Lewis, they had some decent years when they were there. They could never get out of the wild card round. They never got a playoff win. And now Joe Burrow shows up and in two seasons has his team in the AFC championship game. Sorry, that was some sparkling water that... Caused me some bubble problems. That's okay. Um, Happens to the best of us. <laughs> Dude, it's about, it's not, I mean, we've seen it, but that dude's got talent and he's got swag. And you don't always get both of those. And it's clear that he just took over the whole franchise. 
And you don't off, you don't always get that with the quarterback. You hope that you get it, but you don't always get that combination that fast. And now that I mean, they already believe in him. I mean, they're calling yeah. him Joey Swag and yeah. everything else. I mean, he's he's completely energized that franchise. Uh, there was a lot of debate about should they take uh, Panay Sewell, the big tackle from Oregon, or whether they should take Jamar Chase. And it's like, well, you know, receivers are yeah. like two guards in the NBA. They come out every year. You can always find them. And they were like, yeah, but this dude is, you know, he's 6'2", he's 215, he's got sprinter speed, he's built differently, and he played with him in college, man. And they went back and forth, back and forth, back and forth before they finally pulled the trigger on it. And Wow. It turns out to be a great decision because Jamar Chase has been everything they hoped he would be. And you gave him a number one receiver. Those other two guys fit in well. And, uh, you know, Mixon is a really good running back. And so, dude, they are uh, they going to be a problem, man, because Joe Burrow's got them believing. Um, and Kansas City better make sure that they don't think this tonight's game was – was a championship game. Yeah, you know that's true. I mean? Yeah, like a natural letdown on the yeah. heels of what you just experienced against a Cincinnati team that honestly, nobody th- Kansas City's supposed to be here. They were expected, right. nobody expected Cincinnati. I don't even know if we expected them to make the playoffs, much less be in the AFC championship game. Exactly. So they playing with house money. They believe in themselves. They want, uh, they want you to talk bad about them and ignore them and all of that stuff. And I'm just telling you, I mean, I expect Kansas City to win, but they better get the Bengals their respect. Yeah, it's. I'm looking very much forward to these games this weekend. I'm going to be, whenever I don't have a dog in the fight, I just try to figure out who I want to win. And, And generally, that's one of the reasons why I wanted Buffalo to win, just because of that fan base. And, you know, Josh Allen's so fun to watch. And the fact that they've never won a Super Bowl and all the heartbreak that they had in the early 90s, I thought it'd be cool if, if, if Buffalo could get that shot. And so now I guess I'll move on to Cincinnati, who also has never won a Super Bowl and has lost the only two that they ever played in back in the 1980s when they had uh, Ken Anderson. Remember him at quarterback and then Boomer Esiason? You know, and it'll be interesting to see. But I'll be hoping for a Rams-Bengals Super Bowl. But I think we're going to get Rams-Chiefs. That would be – I'm cool with that, man. I'm, I'm actually cool – See, I'm actually cool with whoever winds up in the Super Bowl from these four teams. Um, I think, I think, and don't laugh at this, man. I think um, San Francisco is tricky for any of these teams to play because they play a different style than anybody else, and uh, it's a style that if you don't see it a lot, can really cause you some problems with the way they run the ball and and you know just their whole create creativity within that run game and so if if they get there against either team they're capable of shortening the game and making it very difficult for you to win and then you know the defense is outstanding yeah so we'll see what it turns out to be for the super bowl this year but that's what it is and once again you know it, it's i didn't really pay a lot of attention to the san francisco game because every time i looked up i was like god man i can't be- i still can't believe san francisco got us Right, and I think Aaron Rodgers is thinking the same thing, and, and that's there's some intrigue. I think after these games, it's going to be interesting to see is Tom Brady. I, it feels like he's probably coming back. You, you got to think, but at what point is Tom Brady going to walk away? He'll turn 45 years old in August, so before the season begins next year, he'll be 45. The other thing with this is 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 this it for Aaron Rodgers? Is he done in Green Bay? 
Is he going to force the trade and, and pick and choose where he'd like to go? Kind of like Tom Brady did with New England to, to roll out the last two, three, however many years of his career. Aaron Rodgers, his future. That's an interesting question, man, because, again, what do we make about a team that goes 13-3 and three, three years in a row and can't get to the Super Bowl? You know, they lose at home as the number one seed. Uh, Aaron Rodgers leads them to one touchdown, I think. Um, dude, it's, uh, you know, I'm, I'll be real curious to see where he winds up if he doesn't if he doesn't stay in Green Bay. I will, too. I'm very curious about that as well. He can obviously, and, and that's one of the, the interesting things, is I wonder if we're going to start, and I haven't heard it as much with Aaron Rodgers, but remember Peyton Manning for years. It was like, oh, okay, can he win the big one? Then he won a Super Bowl. And then towards the end of his career, it, it started to become, well, he's really one of the greats of all time. I mean, the greats have two rings. The greats are, you know, Aikman and, and, and guys like that in Montana and, and even Brady. You know, the greats of all time have multiple rings. We haven't really started hearing that with Aaron Rodgers yet. But to your point about that, I mean, we're talking about a team in Green Bay that has been dominant in the regular season against their own crappy division. Aaron Rodgers has played in six NFC championship games in his career. And as great as we all believe he is, He's only ever played in one Super Bowl. Yep. That's just that's not even losing a couple. That's just you got there once. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. That's uh, you know. I mean, that's a knock against him. We've seen his individual greatness. But uh dude, that's uh at some point it is what it is and and you get ch- chastised and criticized for not being able to get over the hump and make it happen. It's true. I mean, that's just how it is, especially, and everybody in Dallas knows this because of Dak. There, it doesn't matter what you do or how, what happened in your game or why you lost. Or it's all about the quarterback. And, and we all know that we judge quarterbacks on playoff wins and rings. That's what we do. Nobody ever looks at it and goes, well, how many playoff games has Tyron Smith won? He's such a great left tackle. Nobody ever says that. It's all about the quarterback. And Aaron Rodgers, as great as we believe he is, he is still just that one Super Bowl appearance of all time. You know, and then you look at guys like Roethlisberger and Manning that have got multiple rings, and, and it's, it's interesting. And I will be very curious to see if he looks around the league because most teams in the NFL would take Aaron Rodgers in a heartbeat. Oh, yeah, bro. I mean, because what happens? You want the opportunity to, to be a contender every year, and he gives you that. So that's what you want. And then it's a matter of, um, you know, can you get there and close the deal? But it's hard to win, bro. That's why there's only a handful of quarterbacks that have uh, multiple rings because it's hard to win. Yeah, that's very true. And, uh, again, I think I had seen somebody was like, oh, maybe he'll do what Favre did and go to Minnesota. Well, the problem with Minnesota is that Kirk Cousins contract isn't going anywhere. So maybe Rodgers would take like a cheap deal or something. I don't know what I, – I just don't see that he could get to Minnesota because Kirk Cousins has a $45 million dead cap hit next year. Oh, my, that's a big number. Yeah, and then I saw, you know, if, if Indianapolis can find a way to move on from Carson Wentz, would Aaron Rodgers be interested in going over to Indianapolis? Maybe something like that for him. But if I was him, I think you, you might want to maybe not play in the harsh conditions anymore. Maybe you're looking to go inside somewhere, and I would assume you'd like to go to some team that's got a couple of receivers that you have a little bit of respect for. Well, yeah, I mean, I think that's why people thought, uh, you know, Denver – might be might work for you know they got uh, 
your big boy from SMU. They got Jerry Judy. Um, they've got receivers there. Uh, you know, they got some pieces yeah. to make a some pieces to make a good team. But more importantly, you got something to work with on offense. Yeah, Denver would be God. Wouldn't that be something for Denver? It's, you got Peyton Manning at the end of his career, and you could get Aaron Rodgers at the end of his career. And then, if that happened, think about this: if that happened, and he goes to Denver. You've got Pat Mahomes in Kansas City. You've got Justin Herbert in L.A. And you've got Aaron Rodgers in Denver all in the same division. Wow. I mean, that would be badass. That would be awesome. Or what if Tennessee, and I don't know what Ryan Tannehill's contract looks at, but I wonder if that'd be something where you look at Ryan Tannehill's contract and if you can get out from underneath that, Tennessee goes, well, look, you're not the guy. Like, we can't get where we want to go with you, but we've got a beast at a running back. We've got Julio Jones and A.J. Brown as our wide receivers, and we've got a solid solid uh, defense. But I guess, yeah, that's right. I was just looking at it. I forgot Tannehill signed a contract extension a couple of years ago, so he's actually yeah. got two years left on his contract. Yeah, th- okay. No, he's stuck. He has to come back to Tennessee next year. Yeah, I was just about to look it up because I was like, I think he signed a contract extension. Yeah, he's got a $57 million dead cap hit for 2022. Oh, my. Yeah, so this is going to get interesting. It's going to get interesting, but there it is, man. We've got it. It's 49ers and Rams. It's the Bengals. I I cannot believe in my adult life, I wasn't even 10 years old the last time the Cincinnati Bengals played in the AFC Championship game. And so, yeah, that's why I chuckled when I say it's the Bengals. I mean, it is. It's the Bengals. The Cincinnati Bengals and the Kansas City Chiefs. Yeah, bro. That's something else, dude. <laughs> and I'll tell you something else as well as Bruce Biltong. If you haven't gotten your Bruce Biltong yet, I would just ask you to do this. Get it. Just get an order. Get one order because I'm telling you, if you like beef jerky at all, you're going to love Biltong. It's a traditional South African air-dried meat. Jacques and I both love it. It's better. It's, it's more savory, it's more tender, zero sugar, no artificial ingredients. Biltong is a fantastic snack. Dude, I love it, man. And uh, here's what I like about it. Uh, y'all know I like to work out. Uh, try to watch what I eat most days. At two-ounce pouch, it's got 240 calories, it's got 30 grams of protein, no carbs, no additives, no sugar. It works perfect for my diet. I prefer it in the afternoons, man, for a little snack. Uh, but it, it gets me through. It doesn't require a lot. It's filling. And it's tasty, man. You know, I go with the slice bill, Todd, but it's fantastic. And again, 15% off if you use the promo code JAM15 at checkout. So there's really no reason not to try it. I think it's fantastic. I love it. It's Biltong. It's Brews Biltong is the website to go to to order. It's B R U S B I L T O N G dot com. BrewsBiltong.com. Promo code JAM15 at checkout, 15% off your order. Bruce Biltong is badass. Eat it. As their official tag that I have now invented. Yeah. That I have no idea if they like or not. Nobody knows. I'm going to have to ask him. He may be like, stop saying that. It's ridiculous. Because you never know. It is kind of ridiculous. Also, of course, Blue Star Motor Group. And we tell you and have been telling you about Deb and her husband, Mike, for a long time now. If you are looking for a vehicle... If you have started the process, if you are looking to sell your vehicle, you have got to give them a call. You need to contact Blue Star Motor Group anytime you think about buying or selling a car because they will streamline the process for you. Most times they can offer you the best deal because they have such low overhead. So it's very easy to do. You can give them a call or just shoot her a text. 
817-881-4066. You need to make sure that you contact them in the process of car buying and selling. Now, Deb is great to work with, man. If you hit her up on the text, I've done this. She usually gets back with you within five or ten minutes. And trust me, it ain't just because it's me. Um, I love her because there's no finance manager. There's no GM. It's her. She's the deal maker. She can make whatever deal needs to get done, whether you're buying a car from her, selling a car from her to her and Mike. It doesn't matter. Give her a call. Let her work out a deal. 817-881-4066. Give her a call. Or check them out online if you'd like, bluestarmotorgroup.com. They've got all kinds of makes and models, superior quality, Carfax certified. You need to give them a call, 817-881-4066, bluestarmotorgroup.com. So we move forth and we take a trip around the block here. And I don't know how we missed this last week, but when you sent that to me, I was like, man, really? We should have talked about it last week, but... It was, let's see, what is the date? It was Thursday, last Thursday, January 20th, was the 14th anniversary of the debut of one of our favorite TV shows ever, Breaking Bad. Dude, it's one of those that changed the game for me, man. Like, The Shield changed the game, and Oz, Breaking Bad changed the game. I mean, it 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 was fantastic. Breaking Bad to me is, I've always said this, Sopranos and Breaking Bad are my two favorite shows of all time. And whichever one you prefer is fine. I usually give Sopranos because it came first and and helped open up what you could do in episodic television and and also on cable television. And so I tend to give them a nod of the cap to that. But Breaking Bad was virtually a perfect show. I mean, I think it was. It had had all the things that I like, which is... uh, it had drama, obviously, and character development and uh, a terrific storyline. But then it also had those some of those unexpected deaths that I always like, where you go, well, there's no way they're going to kill him. I wonder how he'll get out of this situation. And you go, oh, my God, he did not get out of this situation. And to me, that that's what makes the show great. Yeah, man, it's Walt White is, I'm trying to say, he may be my favorite television character ever because of the transformation Hell yeah. That he underwent from where it was at the beginning. And, and I will say, I've had some people start this and like, man, you always talk about how amazing this is. It's really slow. And, and But that's by design. I mean, this is a guy who's living a slow, boring, kind of normal life. And who knows if he really enjoys it or not. And the reason why he gets into all of this and gets into the meth world, and, and it's just, and it starts to build and build and it, it, it really becomes where the, the Brian Cranston, Cranston, Walt White character at the very beginning is a 100% complete opposite of what he creates at the very end. And it's, it's mesmerizing to watch over the course of the five seasons of this show. Dude, I'm sitting here thinking like, I need to go back and watch Breaking Bad again. Yeah, I've seen the whole <laughs> thing twice. And that's, that's one of those shows that I would go back and watch again. There's 62 episodes. It debuted in 2008 and ran through 2013, so it's almost been 10 years since that's been off the air, man. I would not, I can't believe that's almost been 10 years. Man. See, I was like, that's a good summer project, man. It is. You should do it. And, I mean, you know, and they, they did the spinoff Better Call Saul, which is another phenomenal show. There's so no, many it is. just great characters in this. I mean, just great characters. It, it's, 
it's just, it's so well done. And again, like I said, it is to me, one of the, the greatest shows of all time. It, it's fantastic. If you've never seen it, you got to at least give it a shot. You have to watch Dude, it at some point in your life. Uh, the show was so good. I got into the cinematography and the camera angles and all this other stuff. Cause they were all a little different, a little unique. Yeah. It's badass, man. I mean, it, it's, it's there. The other thing is on Friday, Ozark season four dropped on Netflix. Oh, yeah, I checked out episodes one and two. Yes, we watched episode, I think we got through the first three episodes. Now, what they're doing with this is they are releasing the first seven. It's going to be a two-part season four. The first seven episodes all dropped together on Friday. And then the final seven episodes of Ozark are going to be released at some point in the future. I don't know if they've set a date on that yet. Okay, so it's like they're giving you two more seasons, but they're splitting them up. Yeah, which is what the Sopranos did. And, yeah, I was looking. There, There is no release date yet for the back half of it. I will say, because keep in mind, and you and I talked about this a while back, Ozark Season 3 dropped in March of 2020. So it's been 22 months since we've seen The Birds and Ozark. And I hate to tell them, but the little kid grew up a bit in the meantime. <laughs> No, it was so obvious to me in the first episode. And this isn't ruining anything for season four because it it happened in season three. And they they go off and they come home and like there's some stuff broken in the house and they're just staring at it. And I thought I thought Jason Bateman's character, because the kid comes in and goes, what's wrong? I thought he was going to turn around and be like, my God, we've only been gone for a day and you aged like two years. (laughs) (laughs) I was like, but I don't know what you do in that situation. You just you just ignore it. You have to. It's like when you break something at, at home and your uh, your wife or your girlfriend's mad at you, and uh, you know you just ignore it. And if they say something, they say something. If they don't, they don't. Man, it it's that was just something that I, that I noticed. But so far, and I have no idea. I honestly, this is one show. Like I kind of had a feeling, and I hate to break the news to everybody about Sopranos and Breaking Bad, but I feel like ten years is long enough. <laughs> I I I felt like at the end of Sopranos, the way that it ended is up for interpretation, but I really believe that Tony Soprano died. And the way what happens to Walt White at the end of Breaking Bad made a ton of sense to me, and you could kind of you kind of knew that that was coming. I have no idea what happens. I, have, I, I do not know how they wrap this up without some big-time major players dying or going to jail. I, I, I don't know how you can do it, but maybe they figure out a way for the birds to get out of this. Well, it's, it's not from lack of effort on the birds' part. They're, no, that's I mean, true. But you know they they're kind of backed in at every corner, uh, which which creates a desperation, because everywhere you look, their life is unraveling, man. And uh, you know, and watching them try to hold it together is part of the charm of the show, and uh, and why it's riveting. And so I'm like you, man. I, it wouldn't surprise me if uh, if it had one of those endings left to your own interpretation, um, where you know one or or both of the main characters died or something yeah. like that. Uh, or it wouldn't surprise me if ultimately they, they ran out of time and they're like, made a deal with the feds, you know? Yeah, I, I could see that, but I could also see, I mean, let's be honest, the end of season three was pretty damn shocking. And, and they have done Dude. some shocking, that's one of the reasons why I like Ozark, because they do st- stuff in this show that you, you're just like, whoa, like I did not I, see that coming. I went back and watched that, uh, <laughs> that last episode of uh, season three, like, twice dude before before because i want i wanted to see your girl get shot 
Yeah, man. I mean, I, 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 that was stunning. And then in season one, when they blew away that one guy, when that lady pulled yeah. out, and I was just like, what? You can't, he's in the cartel. Like, this is insane. <laughs> That's what makes the show great. God, man. But you're right. It is a phenomenal show, and I'm stoked. Very curious to see how they wrap it up. And I, I hope it's not one of those things where they say, oh, okay, well. Because to me, if you're going to have it, and, and this is considered the same season, it needs to drop within a few months. You, you can't do this where you give us seven episodes now and then like, oh, by the way, next January, the other seven episodes. Yeah, no, it needs to be like probably like a little hiatus, like three months. And then right. bring, go ahead and bring it home. So we move on from that to the other note that you had sent over. I thought this was actually really interesting. Is the Netflix stock that has apparently plunged and they are way off. And it's funny because we were talking about that with Peloton last week. Right. And apparently now the Netflix stock has just dropped off of a cliff. It's interesting because it's not, you know, it's, it's business. So it's not like they're not doing well. Yeah. Like they got like 8 million new subscribers, I think, but they, but whatever projection said, you should have had more than that. And so that's what made the, uh, the, that's in part what made the stock fall. And so I'm starting to think like, okay, um, you know, if, if that wasn't enough subscribers, some of it might be, well, people started going back to work and people started working because of the pandemic. So maybe some people are like, well, I got to get rid of this because I'm, I'm back at work now. So I don't watch, you know, TV all day, every day. And then the other thing is, dude, do you know how many subscription TV services there are now? Yeah. I mean, there is a gazillion not of just, them. I was gonna say we're not just talking about the basics like, you know, Netflix and you know maybe Amazon Prime yeah. and HBO and Showtime. I mean, there must literally be, like, I mean, Matt said a million of them. There's <laughs> got to be twenty of them. Yeah, I mean, you know, there's you know there's Cinemax and there's Hulu and you know Epic and Paramount Stars and. I mean, and oh yeah, don't forget Disney. Yeah, I Disney mean, Plus. I mean, you literally have to just decide, you know, which ones you're getting and which ones I'll take the 30 day trial on, and you know, try to catch a season of this or that. Uh, and so my my suspicion is with people that just you know hopping on, hopping off, hopping on, hopping off. I wonder if that's maybe it is what they're doing because they said I wonder that too. Because it says Netflix accumulated 8.3 million subscribers in the three-month period that ended on the new year. And I just thought, okay, that can't possibly be like every quarter they're adding 8 million people. And so that's 32 million people a year. I mean, eventually everybody would just have Netflix. So they've got to be losing people like what you're talking about. Because I do that. Netflix is the only one that I'm like, I got to have that all the time. Right. But the other ones, like we'll do that with eight. We did that with Apple TV. Like we got Apple TV, we watched Ted Lasso and I think something else on there. And then we let that, we canceled that. And we're doing that with Showtime with Billions. And when we get done with Billions, because we wrapped up Dexter, we'll cancel Showtime. You know, and HBO right. Max has some stuff. The I also keep Hulu and Disney Plus all the time just because it comes with the ESPN Plus subscription. And I use that a lot, actually. So, right. It's one of those things. Those are the ones like Paramount Plus. I'd like to watch Yellowstone. But I'm not at a point right now where I want to add another freaking subscription to another streaming service. Nah, because when you just don't have time to watch them all. And so now nah, I'm like you, man. I pick and choose. I go in and out all the time. Yeah. And so I think that that's the way to do it because it gives you an opportunity. If you know there's shows you want to watch, 
you can sit there and say, okay, we're doing Showtime this month and let's knock out whatever we want on Showtime this month and then we're going to cancel that and we'll do HBO Max the next month and you just kind of cycle through them all. No, I mean, I think, you know, I went and looked at a show on Hulu last week just to look at a specific show or two. And then uh, I got some kind of week or two week trial. And yeah. once it's over, I'm out. Yeah, Hulu, the only thing I ever watch on there is The Handmaid's Tale. But again, like I said, it's one of those things where it comes in that package with Disney Plus, which, by the way, I, we started watching the book of Boba Fett that dropped on Disney Plus, And it is I, I, it's really, really good. I don't know if it's Mandalorian good, but it's a very interesting story about the character of Boba Fett in the Star Wars universe. Okay, who is Boba Fett in the Star Wars universe? Boba Fett was a bounty hunter. He he was, you know, he was like by Jabba the Hutt's side for a while in Return of the Jedi. And apparently he got fed into the Sarlacc pit in Return of the Jedi, but he survived it. And they kind of show you how he survived the Sarlacc pit and all that. It's kind of interesting. All right, cool. Yeah, so if you're into that type of thing. Maybe you're not, I don't know. <laughs> uh, not, you know, I was never a Star Wars guy. Even though it came out during my generation, I think I was 10 when it came out. For whatever reason, I just never got into it. I watched a couple of them, but I didn't find them to the to the riveting point. Yeah, okay. Well, if you're not a Star Wars guy, then you're not going to like this. But The Mandalorian, and this is done similarly, The Mandalorian is like a sci-fi western in a way. Just the way that it's shot and the way that it's done, where instead of it being a cowboy in the Old West, it's... You know, it's a guy from the Star Wars world and the frontier of Star Wars, and, and which is kind of cool. And, right. and Boba Fett is, is kind of done in the same tone, I guess. So I enjoyed so far what we've seen. But, you know, Disney Plus does that, that thing that pisses me off that I know Showtime's going to do with the season six of Billions, which started today. Yeah, man. Drop them one at yep. a time. One at a time. Nobody wants that. You know, come on. Netflix does it right. They gave us all seven Ozarks. You want to watch them one a month? Cool. You want to watch all seven in one day, back to back to back? Awesome. Knock yourself out. But yeah, give us the do choice. It yeah, I was going to say, let me do what I want to do. Quit trying to control me. Yes, more choice. Stop taking it away from us. <laughs> yeah, there's a lot of good stuff on television right now. And, and this is, you know, beginning of the year. Some of these new shows coming back, dropping them in. And, and it's... It's fantastic. I'm excited about it because there's a lot of good things to be watching right now. But that's a fun little conversation about some TV there for you here on this trip around the block. Hell yeah. Yeah, I hope everybody enjoyed it as much as I did. I also think that you will enjoy this as much as Jacques does, and that is taking your car over to JR and his guys at Freeway Tire Shop. If you haven't done this yet, you need, whether it's an oil change, which everybody needs, a state inspection, which everybody needs, tires which everybody needs at some point while you're driving a car or you need more extensive mechanic work jr is the guy that you can trust and his crew is going to take care of you and stand behind their work dude jr does a great job man i mean he really does and uh i've never had a mechanic i trusted like this bro and uh, the reason i take my cars and i got six of them is because I, I trust them to diagnose the issue man i trust them to use quality parts to fix it which not everybody does I trust him to give me a fair price, which not everybody does. And then how about this, man? I trust him to stand behind his work and guarantee it, which, again, not everybody does. He does this all the time. He does it consistently. And that's why I don't even think about taking my cars elsewhere. There's no need to. JR's your guy, I'm telling you. Freeway Tire Shop right there just north of downtown Dallas. You can check them out online where you can request a quote or schedule your appointment at Freeway Tire Shop. 
Com. Also, of course, Smokey John's Barbecue. Speaking of freeway tire shop, by the way, Smokey John's is like right around the corner off Mockingbird from, from freeway tire shop. So Smokey John's Barbecue, man, if you get a chance to knock both of them out in the same time, you can have a wonderful lunch. And Smokey John's, as everybody knows, phenomenal barbecue. They're doing it the right way. The jam session bowl with the made from scratch macaroni and cheese or mashed potatoes. You get to choose the meat you want on it and your toppings with the Smokey John's barbecue sauce. And it's on the secret menu. Nobody knows about it unless you listen to the podcast. <laughs> no, it's great, man. Uh, we encourage everybody to give it a shot. There's nothing better than walking in the Smokey John's talking about the jam session bowl off the secret menu because it ain't on the regular menu. Correct. Having people stare at you, look at you like, what's he talking about? What's it, what is mm-hmm. that? What, what's on it? Uh, and then smiling as you go to the register, knowing that you've got a secret that nobody else has got. Also, keep in mind, they are still doing the first down and touchdown packs. And, and that, of course, with the big game that's coming up in February and even the conference championship games next weekend, if you're going to be having viewing parties, you want to consider this, man. You can get the first down pack. It's three pounds of wings, a half gallon of their brisket queso, a half gallon of potato salad or baked beans. That package for $105. Or you can go for the bigger package, which is really the way to go, and feed everybody at your party. Three pounds of wings, half gallon of brisket queso, two pounds of chopped brisket, two pounds of ribs, and a half gallon of potato salad and beans. All of that in the touchdown pack from for 220 bucks. And keep in mind, when you, when you order that, if you'll mention that you heard about it on Jam Session, they are going to throw in a gallon of their sweet tea or lemonade just for you. Complimentary. For jam session listeners. Not sure it gets any better than that, bro. It doesn't. Because <laughs> everybody, you know, when you have gatherings, you, you everybody does this. You go to the store and you try to figure out, oh, we got to make sure we have something for everybody and we got to make sure there's enough. Well, Smokey John's just did that for you. It's that easy. At Smokey John's Barbecue right there off Mockingbird in Dallas. Let's have a Cowboys conversation, shall we? Yes, let's shall we. And, and we put this back towards the end because we get it. We understand how difficult it can be to have these Cowboys conversations. Very interesting for one Jerry Jones. Because Jerry Jones, I, I thought what he said the other day when he was on with the flagship in Dallas was really interesting because he reiterated how pissed off and, and frustrated and, and upset he was. But, man, he still did not endorse this coaching staff and Mike McCarthy. No, nah, matter of fact, he went out of his way not to endorse them. And understand, Jerry been doing this for a long time. He knows the deal. And he knows what it means when you don't give the endorsement, which means people got to come back to you. And every time they see you, they got to ask you, yo, is your boy coming back? And, uh, and so now we have to figure out, bro. And I tell my journalism students this all the time. I just started class at SMU. It's my ninth or 10th year teaching there. Uh, had my first class the other week. And I told them the most important thing, element of any story you write, feature story, news story, whatever, mm-hmm. is the why. You know, why is this important? As, as I often tell them, you know, why, is, why did Dak play well? Why did he play poorly? Why did the Cowboys, you know, right. play well? Why did they play poorly? So here's the deal that you got to figure out with Jerry, man. Why does he refuse to acknowledge or give, um, you know, McCarthy that endorsement? Is he doing it because he's just mad and he wants him to have some public shame? Or is he like exploring his options in a way mentally 
because if Jerry wants you, he can go get you. Um, you know, so mm-hmm. is it Sean Payton? Is he trying to explore, make sure he can't get Sean Payton? Or is it like, okay, Sean, you go, you need one more year? Or just what the what the motive is behind letting him twist in the wind? Because he knows that he's doing it. And so the question is why? Yeah, and it's, it's I mean, again, some of these comments, for instance, like he said, he was asked directly about a, a conversation with Mike McCarthy about his return, about McCarthy coming back. Jerry's response, I'm not going to get into any conversations I've had with anybody relative to doing anything with the staff. There's nothing compelling me. I have everyone under contract that I want to have under contract. And then, of course, as you kind of alluded to, is there something else out there that he's thinking of? And he said, if I thought changing out men at any level would improve us, I would change it out. I've looked around. I see a lot of names, a lot of great names, a lot of great names from colleges. I've seen a lot of great names at various duties in the NFL come and go over the last 30 years. I haven't seen but a couple of them that I thought might have a straight shot in what's and at what's above. And he says, that's Belichick, as he points him out. He says, aside right. from that, I'll be very candid with you. I see human beings, human frailties, human work ethic, human excelling and coming up with the way to go. Bottom line is, yes, I'm very, very, very frustrated and upset. You can call it anything, but we have used up some very talented players over the last few years. Dude, what he's saying is the GM's job is to provide talent. The coach's job is to get that talent to play to its highest possible level. And what he's telling you is, as a GM, me and Steven and Will McClay have given the coaching staff all the talent they could possibly need to to make deep, meaningful playoff runs, and they haven't done it, and damn it, I'm mad about it. Yeah, I mean, he's pissed, and he was pissed. When I saw these comments the other day, I mean, again, again, here's another comment from him. And, and, I mean, this is basically him ripping this coaching staff. This is Jerry Jones. Let me be real clear. One of the pet peeves I have is that I don't like this. Well, we've got to go work on this in the offseason. We've got to go work on this. I don't go for that. I want those things recognized and addressed after we play Tampa after the first game or after we play the sixth game. I don't want to wait until we're sitting here with no season left to address these things we're doing or not doing. All of that is in the mix here and a part of what I do. That's the way I do it. The ultimate decision in these coaches is one that I have to make. Which means I don't care what Steven said the other day. Yeah, I mean, that's that's him basically saying everything that all of us have said. Of going, how the hell can all of us sit here and know these things are wrong and you guys bring it up every week and it never changes? Jerry, the owner of the team is sitting here saying the same thing. Yeah, I think he's really mad about the penalties, man. Because we've been harping on that for weeks uh, the pre-snap penalties, they ended up with 14 penalties in their game. Seven were pre-snap. And it's a lack of discipline, lack of focus. And, and to me what it calls it, and I don't know how you how you get it done except that you get it done. When you're having that many pre-snap penalties and it's a lack of focus, there's something about where, I don't know how to say it's the right way, like there's not a fear of consequence for, for, for me having these mistakes. You know what I'm saying? Whether And sometimes playing time needs to be your problem. Like, okay, since you can't stop jumping outside, why don't you just sit your ass down for a couple series? You know what I'm saying? Yeah. If if, if that's if, – will that get your attention? Because each professional athlete is different. You got to figure out how to get their attention. You know, they bench Connor Williams. Well, Connor Williams wasn't the only one having those types of mistakes. Um, and so it's, you know, he was one – but uh, my 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 base point is 
you have to figure out a way to correct it. Now, me and Matt and everybody else who's a who's a uh, you know some sort of uh, follow the team, cover the team, whatever. It ain't our job to figure that out. We don't get paid to do that. That's that's an internal Cowboys job to figure it out. Yeah, and and I think again, when you have these conversations and you look at this, and it's it seems like it's something so obvious to all of us. And then Jerry kind of echoes that. And it's as simple, like he addressed Amari Cooper and we all talk about Amari Cooper. You and I I swear talked about this. It felt like every week at at points, why can Devontae Adams and Cooper cup and Mike Evans and Tyree kill and Travis Kelsey and all these other players, why why can their teams get them the ball? Because every other defense knows we got to stop those guys. And that's basically what Jerry said about Amari Cooper. He says, Amari Cooper, should take half the field with him when he runs a route. A whole bunch of that defense ought to have to honor Cooper. He's ought to be able to catch it in the middle where they're going with him. Others do. You throw to people that are covered all the time. And that's Jerry sitting here going, look, fans, we're not crazy. Because the owner's sitting here, and he gets it and sees it and wonders what the hell's happening too. I think it's the, uh, I mean, I think it's, dude, you couldn't have had a better setup this year to make a run if you're Jerry. And I think that's why he's mad. Uh, he had very talented roster. He had health. I think 21 of 22 opening night starters started in, in the final game. He had a quarterback with health. Um, he had a good quarterback. There's no great team in the NFC this year. It was all there for the taking, bro. Yeah. It was all there. And they didn't get anything done. And that's and he is acknowledging that. And And I thought – not even just him acknowledging that, but the fact that comment at the end, man, is something that you and I talked about and have talked about multiple times where he said, we have used up some very talented players over the last few years. I mean, he's sitting there, he gets it. He's like, they've got, they've had a lot of talent on these teams, some really good players, and they've never accomplished anything, and, it, and it's another wasted season. This one to me, and, and, and let me be real clear, I've said this several times, this one to me is really painful, man, because this is the best roster I think they'll have over the next two or three years. Yeah. Because it was young roster. They had depth like Cedric Wilson. And, uh, you know, don't forget Dalton Schultz wasn't supposed to be the starter this year, man. It's supposed to be Blake Jarwin. Right. You know what I mean? Yeah. And so Dalton Schultz showed up and had a really nice year. Um, they had some offensive line depth. I mean, they had – Depth across the board, they got really significant contributors from guys on one-year deals on the defense. Uh, And you're not bringing all those guys back. And now you're also Miss Quinn, who was a really big part of your defense. Uh, So, dude, they they just wasted a real opportunity to make it happen this year. They did. And that's what the frustrating part of this is all about. And and so – you know, from McCarthy, all we've heard is he also told the flagship last week that he's had a conversation with Jerry, and he said, I'm full speed ahead. So it, it, I, I don't know. And, and as you alluded to, if they thought they could get Sean Payton, if they thought they could make that happen, would that be the apple of their eye? Is that, is that the, the thing that's above what he has right now that he thinks he could get that they would make a change? I don't know, but... It, it, I thought last week that they might let McCarthy go. Then I thought for sure he was coming back, and then Jerry made those comments, and I don't know what to expect. I mean, if I were laying odds, I would lay odds that he's coming back. Um, I would lay odds that uh, he'll be the coach next year, and I would lay odds that if uh, they don't make a deep run to the uh, NFC Championship game next year, which I think is unlikely, uh, then he'll be gone. 
So there it is, Mike McCarthy. The other thing about this is the Jerry Jones question, and, and there's a lot of this that many, many, many of you listening, I mean, you commented on our Twitters, on, on our Instagram page, everybody, and there is some truth to this. The reality of it is, is that this is 26 years of ineptitude, 26 years, the Bengals just broke their streak, the Bengals are playing in a conference championship game, so the Cowboys are now lurking at the bottom of that list with teams that you don't want to be grouped in with that haven't played in a, in a conference championship game. And the Cowboys are right there. Since 1995 was the last time they did this. And you look at it, the Texans obviously never have. The Browns did it in 89. The Lions in 91. Washington in 91. The Dolphins in 92. The Cowboys in 95. Every single other team in the NFL has at least been to the conference championship game since 2002. Wow, that's since 2002. <laughs> well, I mean, I think um, there's a lot of frustration, and I get it. And I always say this whenever the topic comes up, which is, you know, the problem for the Cowboys is most of those teams, I think, Matt, they haven't even had really good teams. You know what I mean? They've had a good team here or there, but they've been bad for a minute. Um, Cowboys have had these these excellent teams, you know, 07, 14, 16. Uh, that's just, you know, the excellent teams. There was another one that was 11, 5, and, you know, you had this year's team that was really good at 12 and 5. Um, the problem is when they've had their opportunity to be the number one seed and really crank it up and make things yeah. happen, they haven't done it, um, you know. And, and that's why they've had such a long gap because – I told somebody today, I said, the reality is they should have been to the championship game three or four times. Uh, whether they won it or lost, it doesn't matter. They should have been there three or four times. But they keep sabotaging themselves every time they get a top seed or, or what looks like a favorable matchup to go deep in the playoffs. And here's where we are. And, and all that being said, they changed the coaches. They've had multiple coaches over the last 26 years. They've gone through multiple quarterbacks. They've had ones like Romo and Dak, and, and ones obviously that we saw in years where we knew they weren't the answer. They've gone through a variety of different cores of players, some that are going to end up in the Hall of Fame. DeMarcus Ware was named as a finalist, and, and I think will probably be a first ballot Hall of Famer. You've got a guy like Jason Witten. He's going to be a Hall of Famer. Tyron Smith, Zach Martin. There are guys that this franchise has put out that are going to be Hall of Famers, and yet they haven't come close. But the one constant over 26 years is the role of Jerry Jones. Well, that's what has a lot of people frustrated, man. Mm -hmm. <laughs> because they see him as a figurehead. But I'm like, the reality is, if he's the owner and the GM, what's the GM's job, man? GM's job is acquire talent. This, by all accounts, was a talented roster. So, in a lot of cases, he did his job. Um, the coach, I think, didn't do his job to the fullest extent. And then the players didn't do their job. So, like, I don't sit there and hold Jerry responsible for this season. I was like, you know, he put a, he, he was supposed to be a talented team. They had a talented team. They did. And, and you're right. And I think that that's where the frustration is on this, is where is, where is the disconnect between they had the talented team and the opportunities that they've had, because they've had talented teams before. And if, because I think you're right, to your point, if we consider Jerry the general manager, 
And we've tried to, I think, explain when we were on the radio, we've done it on the podcast. It's not quite that simple. Will McClay has a huge hand in what they do. Stephen Jones has a huge hand in what they do. But the reality of it is, for whatever reason, they haven't found a way to get it done, despite the fact they changed so many different things underneath them. Nah, but we, I mean, dude, we can go back and look and see why the various reasons it didn't get done. You know, there's that third and 20 that they gave up against the Packers. You know, there's the Giants making the Super Bowl run, um, you know, and the slow start in that game in 07. Uh, you know, it's, there's, it's easy to figure out why they lost and why, they, you know, the slow start this year. Uh, and then try to rally back. Um it's just disappointing. Uh, and there's been so many players and so many cores, I don't think you can say it's one one thing running through yeah. it that you can really put your finger on. It's just a quarter of a century, how about that, of disappointment. It is. And, and again, the, it, we're at a point where those teams that I listed off, those are the teams that you have. That's the company you keep. You keep the company of the Lions and the Washington football team and the Browns and the Miami Dolphins. Those, those are the teams that, like you, have struggled to do anything of real sustenance over the course of 25-plus years. That's where the Cowboys are. They're not in the conversation with these other franchises. I mean, hell, you, you look at this. I was thinking about this the other day, how wild it is to think that somebody like, for instance, a Joe Burrow two years in, that franchise gets to a conference title game. Somebody like Pat Mahomes is about to play in his fourth straight conference title game and the Cowboys can't even get to a single one in 26 years. Dude, how about this? Uh, you know, Ezekiel Elliott was born in 1995. You know what I'm saying? And so, you know, even though he plays for the Cowboys, he, he he's never seen them make a deep playoff run uh, in his lifetime. No, you're right. He hasn't. And, and it is. It, 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 there's a lot of frustration with this, and it feels like it's never going to change at this point. And we'll see what happens, but you're right. And we had talked about that just because of some of the ages and the free agents and the way that these things are going to move forward, where we're going to look back at this much like we did with Romo. And, and, and we looked at the Romo years and they wasted multiple opportunities. And it feels like they're doing it now with Dak. And this core cluster is going to age out. And we're already seeing it with the offensive line. I mean, they're going to have to do something to address the offensive line. That's becoming obvious. But some of those guys are going to age out, and they won't be here. Or, or, or they'll get, like, tank. Is Demarcus Lawrence going to be on this team next year? Can they have that contract come back? I mean, they're going to have to make some decisions. Dude, that's why I say what I said, man. They got a lot of moving parts in the offseason. Everybody ain't coming back, whether it's Demarcus Lawrence or Amari Cooper. They're not all coming back, bro. And uh, some of them are more difficult to replace than others. Yeah, it sucks, man. It sucks, and it's... I don't know what the solution is, and I wish I did. Because if I did, I would call Jerry Jones and let him know I figured it out. But I haven't. <laughs> and they obviously haven't. And, and that's why, you know, you look at these weekends like this and how amazing all these games were. And then you look at these four teams, it, it, and it's, I mean, Jimmy Garoppolo's playing in another NFC Championship game. And it's not like San Francisco was some great team this year. It, it, it's it's just maddening. It, it, it just is absolutely maddening when you look at these four teams. And I don't think any of those four teams that are playing for the conference championship and a, a shot at the Super Bowl are colossally better than the Dallas Cowboys. Dude, I think that's the frustrating thing, man. You look at it and you say, 
this was the year that nobody scared us. This was the year where if uh, if you took advantage of opportunity, it was there. And you look at like <clears throat> somebody, uh, a lot of people hit me up on uh, Twitter yesterday, today. Well, I guess, uh, I guess it's not quite so bad that San Francisco won. Uh, and I go, I don't know about that, bro. Just go show that the Cowboys could have gone to Green Bay and won. <laughs> Which yeah. I tell you, there was no great team. It's not like, oh, San Francisco won, so that legitimizes their victory over the Cowboys. And, you know, the other thing, and you tell me, is, you know, what can the Cowboys take from this weekend? I go, I don't know that they take anything, man. Yeah, that's what uh, I would. I, I don't know what it would be. <laughs> You know, what 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 is it? I think uh, maybe the only thing they could take is as a collective unit, you got to show up and be ready to. This sounds stupid, Matt, but play like your hair's on fire. And they simply didn't do that. Uh, they, I mean, they just didn't. They didn't come anywhere close to doing it. Yeah, that's true. And I think when you look at it, but we've all talked about this, and I just read the Jerry comment about Amari Cooper. You've got to find way. Who made the plays today? Kansas City won the day because they got the ball to Tyreek Hill, who broke through the defense and had a touchdown. They won today because despite the fact everybody on the Bills defense knew we've got to do something with Travis Kelsey, they hit Travis Kelsey for the game-winning touchdown and hit him a couple of other times at for big conversions when they needed him late. You know, you, you look all across this. Why did the Bengals win? Because Joe Burrow could con- con- consistently hit Jamar Chase and get the ball to the, the to the one guy on that team that everybody on Tennessee knew was going to get the football. It ain't complicated, bro. Um, I think that's a great point. I think um, maybe that's the takeaway. And maybe that is the takeaway. That your highest paid players are your highest paid players for a reason. And it is incumbent upon the um, the play caller and the quarterbacks to get the ball to the people who make the most money and who can do the most damage. Yeah, that's true, man. And, and to me, that was the common theme in this, that you've got to find ways to get your playmakers, the guys that you pay the most money to, should be the guys that you ride and die with. That's why you paid them the money. So maybe you take that away. Maybe you can look at it and say, wow, if, if we were a little bit more disciplined and maybe it's what you're talking about is come out with your hair on fire and we don't commit 14 penalties. There's little things that happen throughout the course of these games that you look at it. And you, like if the Cowboys have been in the one game with the Chiefs and the Bills, it just feels like instead of having the Bills or the Chiefs have to make great plays with great players, the Cowboys would have committed a couple of penalties. I'm like, no, we'll give it to you. It's okay. <laughs> You don't have to throw to Travis Kelsey. We'll just do a hold here so that if you get it incomplete anyway, it's still a first down. And I'm being a little facetious, but there's just little things like that. And it goes back to what Jerry was saying. And that's what I alluded to, I think, at one point last week on the podcast, is the frustration of McCarthy. Well, we got a lot of work on in the offseason. We got a lot to look at. Well, why why weren't you looking at it in season? (laughs) Yeah. I mean, I think that's what Jerry's mad about now. He wanted to see more urgency to fix those things during the season than the off season. Yeah. And so fun all around. It was a really, really fun weekend, a, a fantastic weekend of football. 
And we've got more episodes coming up. We'll have Todd Archer with us on Tuesday. We'll talk NFL playoffs with Clarence Hill Jr. and Ed Werder also on the podcast this week. It's a fun week. I'm excited. The final full week of January already, which is wild. And then next weekend, my youngest brother, Mark, who has never been to Birmingham, is flying out to spend a couple of days with us next weekend. How about that? Yeah, so I'm very much looking forward to that because I'll get to show him around because he's never, I don't even know if he's ever even been to Alabama, the entire state, much less Birmingham. All right, cool. Good for him. Yeah, so that should be a good time. But that'll wrap up this episode. I hope everybody enjoyed it. We'll talk to you again soon. Thanks for listening to the Jam Session Podcast. Make sure to find us on Instagram at Jam Session Cast. Of course, you can also find us on Twitter at McMatt Radio and at JJT underscore journalist. Our podcast is sponsored by Greening Law, a personal injury law firm in Dallas, Texas. Greening Law fights the legal battle so you'll have time for healing and renewal. Give them a call at 972-934-8900. Greening Law, Office, Dallas, Texas. Also brought to you by Hector Flores with Modern Woodman of America. Let him help you secure your family's future. You can give him a call at 940-453-3490. As always, thanks to Purple Elephant Music for the music you hear at the end and the beginning of each episode. He, of course, is the radio, TV, and now podcast star, the sexy Jean-Jacques Taylor. And me, I'm just a guy, Matt McLaren. We'll catch you next time right here on the Jam Session Podcast, available everywhere you listen to podcasts.